and welcome to Act Your Age, a podcast where two adults dive into young adult books in order to discuss how their appeal transcends age and other boundaries. My name is Corinne. And I'm Tasia. And today we are talking about some of the bonus Raven Cycle material, the Opal novella, the 300 Foxway holiday piece, a minor Raven boys holiday drabble, and a very Declan Christmas, all by Maggie Stiefvater. Today we are very excited to be joined again by our friend Martha to discuss these materials. Hey, Martha. Hello. Thanks for having me again. Seems like a really long time ago that you were here for the first time. <laughs> well, I was like, that was like back when you guys were getting started. I know. I can't believe it. Martha, before we dive in, uh, reintroduce yourself to our listeners in case we have new listeners here today. Tell them about all of your wonderful podcasts that you host. Yes. Uh, my name is Martha. I co-host a podcast called Martha and Colby Grow Up with Colby. Uh, that's the one where we talk about millennial life. We just had an episode come out about not having kids or like choosing not to have kids. And then next month's episode is actually going to be the opposite perspective with one of your uh, top guests, Jesse. She's going to be telling us why she wanted to have kids. So that'll be fun. And then I also co-host a podcast called uh, The Four Nations Report about Avatar. Uh, the last airbender and we're almost done we're on like season three and so that'll be wrapping up and gosh probably like six or seven weeks here so we're almost done with that one well since the last time you were here i've still watched zero episodes of (laughs) the last airbender i want to watch it It, it's so good i know i trust you both i just (laughs) it's it's weird watching it one episode at a time because there are definitely episodes like stretches of episodes that you're like oh i need to know what happens next but i am bound by my podcast contract to not watch ahead <laughs> and i feel I like honestly that is, i don't know how you do it. it there's well there was one i remember a little off tra- off topic but there was one episode where i was like i was like oh my god oh my god like what happened i think it was when abba disappeared and then, like, the next episode, I was like, oh, yeah, like, that was sad. But that was a week ago, so I, like, don't even really remember what happened. But <laughs> All right, a, we're making our way through. It's a good uh, format for a podcast. And it's good to know that when I eventually do watch it, I have a wonderful resource to follow along with. I will. I will watch it. It is a blind spot in my life. And I will. I will watch it eventually. I want to. Martha, also, since you were last here, you've started a new venture that tangentially relates to act your age. It does because you guys give me lots of sticker ideas and I make them and I sell stickers on an Etsy shop. Also, I've delved into enamel pins and magnets. So we've run the full gamut. Really, I just kind of make what I want and I've like been teaching myself how to do graphic design stuff and it's been kind of fun and, you know, people buy things. So, but yeah, if you guys want to talk... About the promo, I'm offering Act Your Age listeners 15% off. Yeah, 15% off. With code Act Your Age. So you can find me on Etsy. You can search Media Maven Martha, or I'm sure these lovely people will have it in your show notes. Yes, we... And she's got lots of um, lots of great book quote stickers, but also specific to what we're doing right now, a lot of really good Raven Cycle related That's true. Um, mm-hmm. stickers. So <laughs> go stock up. And Martha created our logo for our show, and she has a sticker right now, too, which uses the same book 
Oh, I do. Yeah. From Actia Age, it says the book was better, which is virtually always the case. And yeah. that was one that I specifically said, hey, Martha, I want a sticker that says the book was better. Will you make it for me or should I buy it from someone else? And um, then you made it for me, so I appreciate it. It actually looks really good. I'm it like does. looking at my shop right now. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm kind of good at this. <laughs> you are good. Everything has been great. I have my entire back of my iPad has a bunch of stickers on it. Only one is a non-Martha sticker and uh, they bring me joy, but I still have room for other ones in the future <laughs> and I'm excited to add them. Uh, before we dive into our stories that we're talking about here today, we always like to talk about what's on our radar, what we're obsessing over this week. Martha, as our guest, why don't you go first? Yeah, so I actually just finished Legend Born, uh, which I'm also making a sticker for, and which kind of tangentially relates into this because it's like also Welsh kings. Apparently, there was a lot of them back in the day, yeah. uh, <laughs> which I I really enjoyed. I finished that. Um, it actually took me a while to get in. Like I was messaging Karina, I was like, "Hi, like what's happening? Like I'm not sure." And then one night, I was just like, "Oh my god, what's happening? What do you mean?" So it was great. Uh, currently, I'm reading a book called What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat by Aubrey Gordon, who has a popular Instagram account called Your Fat Friend um, about, you know, like body positivity and the fat movement and reclaiming fat as just an adjective, not necessarily a bad thing. So it's been an interesting little departure from what I currently read, but it's uh, I'm enjoying it so far. Awesome. I really want to read the what we don't talk about when we talk about fat because I want to try to broaden my nonfiction reading this year and that seems like a good one and i'm glad you yeah. read legend born aka i forced you to read legend born. <laughs> i like gently said you should read legend born which we eventually we, will cover on the pod here we soon. were talking about lore which was the owl crate book of january i think and it sucked like it was not good yeah. and then corinne's like why didn't you come to me first <laughs> like why did you <laughs> suffer through this so uh yeah i mean a lot of very similar themes in lore and legend board and one is just significantly better than the other yeah. maybe lore will work for for you guys listeners i don't know it just didn't really work for me for a bunch of reasons so it will not be one we're covering here uh but you know it's it's fun to compare and contrast these books sometimes Tasha, what are you into this week i finally read something non-pod related and non-school related <laughs> Um, I finally got around to reading The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett, and um, it is completely, it completely lives up to the hype. It was so good. It has been sitting on my shelf since it came out. I've tried yeah, to I haven't read it yet either. <laughs> you know, I, I think when so I tried, I felt everybody was reading it last year, and I was like, oh my God, I'm the only person on the planet who hasn't read The Vanishing Half. But um, yeah, so you guys should, yeah. should, when you get around to it. You know, I tend to really do love character-driven novels versus plot-driven novels. I, In the before times, before the world we're currently living in, I liked to read a lot of those, but I feel like my, uh, my capacity to read those types of stories has really waned in the last year. And so every time I tried to start it, I just, I couldn't get into it. Uh, one day I'll be in the mental space and I'll be able to read those types of things again. I feel like I, I strayed from my roots last year. And I didn't read a lot of Regency romance novels because I, if I look at like 2018, 2019, like that's all I read. So I like, I need to get back to my roots this year and like start reading some trash. Although last year I did read those delightful, weird vampire <laughs> novels at the end of the year. I don't yeah, remember what, what they were What are they, they calling it? Weren't, 
Were they YA or no? Yeah. Well, around yeah, Christmas, Martha she's like was 19. Me, okay. Martha was sending well, me these texts about this weird series. So it's called, yeah, well, it's called The Blackest Gold by R. Scarlet. It's a paranormal romance series, a story of Molly Darling and Tensley Knight. And Molly was like a, she's a human, well, no, she's a, she's a, okay, hold on. I have to re-familiarize this. So Molly is a daemon and Tensley is a demon. So the, they were like betrothed because Tensley and his family wanted to be powerful demons. Eventually he becomes like demon king and like loses his heart and then Molly has to like get get his heart back, but like she ends up pregnant. I'm like, girl, you are 19. Like, this is what are you doing? <laughs> this sounds so, like a mess. Was, a fun mess. <laughs> it was a it was a good vacation read. I I looks like I rated them all three out of five stars. So Absolutely. I don't know. Not the well, worst thing I've ever hey, read. This is fitting for this category though, because it's two months later and you're still talking about them. So I, that's like an obsession. So well, I'm they I'm just popped up. They just I was looking at my Goodreads. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, let's. Uh, That's a fun thing. Let's move past that. So my obsession this week is the obsession, I feel like, of most of like Bookstagram or a lot of Bookstagram and Book Talk this week, which is A Court of Silver Flames by Sarah J. Moss. Mass. It's two A's, but apparently it's Mass, and I've been saying it wrong this whole time. And this is the fourth full-length novel in the Court of Thorns and Roses series, or Akatar, as it's often referred to. And it was one of my most anticipated books of the year. I read all of Sarah J. Mass last year for the first time. And it was just like really fun escapism for me. I have a lot of problems with her writing in that I don't actually like her writing itself. I like her characters, I like her plots, uh, but I loved this book because I, I felt like I was reading a different writer. I don't know if she got a new editor or what the writing was incredible. Uh, in comparison to what it was before. And I just really loved the story. It features a character we meet in the main trilogy who is a very polarizing character. She's, for lack of a better word, a bitch to her sister, who's the main character of the main trilogy. And a lot of people didn't like her. And this new book is all about her journey to deal with her own trauma and her own self-loathing. And I thought it was really well done and really compelling. And the fact that I read the 750-page book in two days, both of which were work days, <laughs> that's like the definition of obsession. But I really enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was maybe out of like the 13 books of hers I've read, maybe the best. It could be recency bias. I'll revisit that later. But she really got rid of a lot of the things that particularly bothered me. You know, she there's been a lot of fervor this week in terms of her lack of diversity in her stories, which I still think is definitely something she needs to work on or her harmful representation right yes i do think her most recent books have moved away from that but she's like overcorrected and just has added no diverse characters versus problematic diverse representation so i hope that she continues to maybe start peppering back in some characters of color going forward we'll see but overall i thought that this was all very white but well done for her, I guess. So I enjoyed it a lot. Should we talk about these stories? This is like yeah, a fun. It. This is a fun bridge ahead of 
talking about the call down the hawk over the next couple of weeks because call on the hawk, as I've talked about before, um, stresses me out and I'm very concerned about like what is happening in that book. So this is like a fun bridge to, before we dive into that and I have to read it and like cry about it. So <laughs> we're going to go chronologically through these stories. Uh, two of them, I think, kind of happen the same Christmas, right? Uh, so yeah. we'll start with the Christmas before the events of the Raven Boys. Right. So we're going to start with A Very Declan Christmas, which is the first one chronologically. Atasia, since Declan's your boy, would you like to read this <laughs> summary? I would. It's Christmas time at the barns, and a four or five year old Declan prepares for the festivities and the dreaming this time of year brings. Declan, it is revealed, has been groomed his entire young life to be a keeper of his family's secrets, the dreaming abilities of his father and of his younger brother, and the dream things they bring into the world. Declan has to clean up after these sometimes disastrous and dangerous dreams and also takes it upon himself to keep a protective watch over Ronan as he sleeps. A lot of responsibility for a young child, especially as the upcoming winter solstice makes Ronan's dreaming more frequent, wild, and dangerous. Ronan, meanwhile, just wishes he had a brother that wanted to play with him and thinks Declan is the most boring person he knows. Declan's sleepless nights and his resentment of Ronan's position as their parents' favorite makes him decide to leave Ronan unguarded while he sleeps on the night of the winter solstice. He's awoken in the middle of the night to the sound of a baby's wail. Ronan has dreamt a new baby brother. Whoa. So that's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. This story for, makes... for a short story, it's uh it hits it hits hard. It makes me really sad. It's so sad. <laughs> it, it is sad. I it, it's just it's so apparent to me that Declan has carried this weight for his whole entire life, basically. And he just, like, does not get enough love for doing that. He does not, you know, like, someone needs to take care of Declan because he's always taking care of everyone else. Yeah. It's just not fair. Like, show some love. It's really, it's really sad. And I love this short story, though, for the purpose it serves in, again, bridging the gap between the main series and Called on the Hawk, which is, opens by saying this is a story about the Lynch brothers. So we get some of this in the main series and we learn really just in kind of one chapter in that series that Declan has been trying so hard to keep Ronan safe but this short story serves to show just how far back that pattern and practice of protecting Ronan goes and it's really dominated his whole life since he was such a small child and it's so upsetting to see. I mean, when Melissa was here a couple of weeks ago talking about the first part of the Raven King, and she said that she was shocked when she actually realized after reading the series the first time, and she stopped to think about the fact that Declan is a, in high school in that first in the first mm -hmm. book. He is a kid, so that's devastating in and of itself. But you go back to five year old Declan doing this. Yeah, he's only like a year or so older than Ronan. Like he's still in high school when the series starts, and when you think about it, like. Ronan mentions several times throughout the entire series that Declan is a liar and Declan is this and that. And it, like one of the first lines of this short story is Declan Lynch was marvelous at secrets. And to think that this is like a four or five year old child, it's just really, really disturbing, honestly, that that this little kid has been assigned like all this responsibility in keeping his family's secrets. Yeah, it's <laughs> all well knowing that they don't like they don't love him as much as they love his brother. Yeah. That's the part that's like terrible. Well, and it's, you know, again, we know 
we don't know when you read this short story, but again, spoiler alert for Call Down the Hawk, but we, a lot of these things we're going to talk about today deal with Call Down the Hawk. We know now that Aurora is not Declan's mother. Mm-hmm. So that's, she tries hard, I think. She's a nice person. She's not going to like completely ignore this child, but it's just, it, it, there's a line in there about how, you know, Declan had, Declan always helped clean, but he didn't make a game of it or laugh or sing as his mother did. He'd always been too serious for her. So I imagine it must have been very hard for Aurora, a dream thing herself, to connect with this child who is not hers and who also was forced to be so serious in comparison to Ronan, who as a a dreamer himself was necessarily more fanciful. It's just, it's, it's too much. But Declan doesn't know that. Baby Declan doesn't know that that's not. His real mom. I don't know. Yeah. It just, Ronan had his share of secrets too. Declan always understood that this is why he was the favorite. Like he's already at this very young age being othered in his own family. I have a question. So let's just pretend that Ronan doesn't exist and only the dad is the dreamer. Like, do you think that animosity between like Declan and his dad would still exist because they're different or do you think Declan would have had a happier childhood? So basically what I'm saying, it's all Ronan's fault. <laughs> That's a really interesting way to look at it. It is It is an interesting point. I think um, I think there would be still a little bit of contention there just because uh, Declan would still be responsible for keeping all of his dad's secrets and, and still be, you know, getting locked into trunks while his dad gets uh, mm-hmm. roughed up and still have all of those traumatic events, but he also wouldn't have on top of that the, you know, the insult to injury, having a younger brother that is loved while you are obviously not. And I feel like then maybe he, I feel like the fact of Ronan, we know this about Declan now having read all these stories, but he does care for Ronan a lot. It's his brother. And so to have another person that on top of your own anxieties and trying to keep yourself safe and like your parents safe, you have to keep your brother safe from himself. And that is like a whole other layer of anxiety. Cause like, okay, say theoretically Ronan didn't exist and Niall Lynch died. Declan's life like might be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, that's a good thing to think about. I mean, like we don't choose our family. Like they sort of choose us or they just come into existence, but I don't know. Like I just, I wrote in my notes. So I think there's like two things to think about. And it's one is that like, I feel like Rodan's stubbornness is just, it's not going to end well one day. And I honestly think that might break Declan because maybe what if he doesn't have Ronan to care for anymore, what does he do? Like, I guess he cares for Matthew, but I mean, what happens to Matthew? So I, I, I'm, I guess I'm like getting into call down the Hawk territory a little bit, but I don't yeah. know. Like, I don't know. Well, it is devastating to think about like if any one of those brothers died, it would completely fuck up the other two like any combination of deaths with those three brothers like would just be there's no coming back from that for any of them which is just devastating to think about because i have a lot of suspicions about the dreamer trilogy and what might happen in there so it's yeah it's very upsetting yeah i don't like i i haven't thought about called on the hawk too much and where that trilogy is going as i said i think last week i have avoided reading that book since it came out and i read it the first time because it makes me upset <laughs> but in a good way but i do think for me as i sit and think about it one of the most likely scenarios is just what you said martha that ronan 
is going to continue to be Ronan for better or worse. And Declan is going to continue to be Declan for better or worse. And that means sticking his neck out for his brother to his own detriment. And how's that going to play out? I'm upset to think about it, to be honest. But for now, but the, I mean, the seeds are here. We're getting this from the short story. Mm-hmm. That's who he is. Really and it's also, I mean, Ronan is also still completely Ronan at like three years old. Yeah, that's what's great like, about I, this story. I love the line where like Declan, just to be a shit, like hangs an ornament up too high for Ronan to reach. And it says he's threw an absolute shit fest over it. And I'm like, yeah, that, that checks out. Also, Ronan wanting a bird army completely checks out. <laughs> He's got an army of one in the in the main series here with Chainsaw. Yeah. It's really all he needs, I guess. Scale back. Why have multiple when you have a perfect bird in Chainsaw? Right. I feel like this might break us. I feel like the Go Down the tr- Hog trilogy just might break us. <laughs> oh, probably. I'm already Absolutely. feel broken by the uh-huh. first book. So that's that's great. It's all it's very all very cool. Like all I want in the world is Declan to have some happiness. I think Tasia, you know you noted this line too. Oh my god. He's so unfamiliar with things that are just for him. This present was quote so entirely to Declan's liking that he went to his room and cried. Imagine like being so neglected as a child that when there's a moment where you're shown affection or given something that that makes you feel very seen, that it makes you cry like that. That's that's like child abuse like that is that child is neglected. It's so it's so upsetting. Five years old. I I just feel like what's interesting to me is my solution for every problem is life is y'all need therapy. But in this case, like, I don't think any of them can get therapy because what are you going to be like? Yeah. So my brother like dreams things like you can't do that here. He's totally and completely alone. So just a lot of sympathy for Declan. Like, yeah. Staying up for three nights because Ronan hadn't dreamt for a while and he knows on the solstice that that's like a good night for dreaming. Just why the fuck isn't Ronan sleeping with his parents he's three years old and he dreams like flaming swords into existence and lights his room on fire and like why are they why are they allowing their five or four or five year old son to be the one to stay awake all night by Ronan's side to make sure he doesn't hurt himself and also Declan being too like so scared of of something Ronan might dream that he also can't sleep because of that so it's a little bit of protection for Ronan but it's also protection for himself Damn, this is just it's upsetting stuff, Maggie. I don't, I don't care for it. Um, <laughs> one of the things I think too, just to note from this going forward into Called on the Hawk, and we'll talk about that more, and we'll theorize more, especially too when we talk about Opal. But when we cover that book, and then Mister Impossible when it comes out, is like the idea of dreamers and like what the heck is going on with their magic here. And we get a little bit of that here where this story talks about how Ronan would go for months without pulling things from his dreams. But we know now in the present day of this storyline, that if he doesn't dream, it's to his detriment and the night wash happens. So what's different is, does it change as you grow older? Or is like something happening to Ronan? I don't know. No one knows. We'll find yeah, the night wash stuff is uh, a bit confusing. Restful. Mm-hmm. Any other very definitely Christmas slots other than pure devastation? Not currently, no. <laughs> devastation is just, just devastation. It's like, devastation I, rains. My man saw his future drip dripping down the drain. You are a songstress today. Well, that was that's just a Hamilton lyric. I didn't come up with that. 
I like it. It's great. Yeah, no, this story is just really sad. This is another one. I think I've talked about before. I read a lot of these books on vacation. And so I also have like feelings of reading Fairy Duckling Christmas, like on the beach and being very sad. (laughs) Uh, So great. Just tainting my memories of what should be very relaxing is all of the Raven King. All right. Which one do we want to talk about next? 300 Fox Way or the Holiday Travel? Let's do 300 Fox Way. Okay. Martha, would you like to read our summary? 300 Foxway gets ready for the holidays with a mishmash of holiday traditions to represent. Blue remembers a time in the past when she stayed out all night with her mother and Persephone and Calla during the solstice, and while the women saw everything and let everything see them, Blue saw nothing. In the present, Blue cuts out magazine clippings of distant destinations she longs to visit and wishes for something more. She suspects she'll get, she suspects she'll get gloves for Christmas. So, as we said, we think that this, we know that this is set the Christmas time, solstice time before the novel starts. So, the novel, the Raven Boy starts in April on St. Mark's Eve. So, this is a couple of months before that. I mean, this is just like a cute little, a little cute little story. One of the things I just thought about now, do we think the solstice is going to have some sort of ongoing significance going forward in the series? Because it, it seems too or two for two here with solstice mentions in terms of it being a important time it seems for those magically inclined individuals and we know call down the hawk is taking place i think in november because it's around ronan's birthday and adam talks about coming back for thanksgiving so we're kind of barreling towards solstice time i don't have any other thoughts besides that well i'm trying to remember if solstice has come up in the other books and i don't really think so it wasn't during that time though the books yeah, took place true, in like yeah. the spring summer and then early fall so yeah we didn't get to experience this i think i mean i hope we'll get to experience the solstice in the next dreamer book just because i'm curious to see what kind yeah, of shit storm it brings magically yeah if there's anything there that'd be interesting so yeah no i think that this is this is again just talking more about blue wishing for something more it's Mm -hmm. satisfying to read this knowing that that is her big thing in the main series and by the end she has a lot more understanding of that something more i liked the callback too about her gloves um because in the in like the the prologue of the raven boys she's thinking about how she got gloves for christmas and she didn't wear them because she preferred her more like aesthetically like chic or whatever torn up gloves mm-hmm. yeah so that was a nice callback yeah this just also solidified for me that i would love nothing more than to like read a more and cal and persephone prequel would love it yeah it'd be great i was thinking that too like they There's, are yeah great they're great we get a little bit of it in is it the prologue or one of the early chapters of the raven king or blue Lily blue we find out or maybe even in the middle of one of those books where they we find out how they met um i would like more of that though so this one's very short. I don't have much more to say on this one, yeah. but I, I like it. I appreciate Give us more of these, Maggie. They're a fun little taste. <laughs> she was going to do one this year, but she ended up not doing it for whatever reason. But fine, fine. My only comment on this is blue kind of reminds me of myself because my dad gives me wool socks every Christmas and birthday. And he has for like the last however many years like i have so many wool socks and i never think about it until i get extremely cold in minnesota i'm like oh my god i need my wool socks so i'm glad they're there while i may not appreciate it at the time 
I'm like, man, wool socks again. But now I'm like, wool socks. Like it's cold now. So I, I relate <laughs> to that. I relate to that. But <laughs> that's funny because I feel the same way now about I don't get wool socks, but like my mother in law always buys me like fun socks as like a stocking stuffer. I think this year I got one that had like various coffee on them and then like one pair that has cupcakes on it. And it's not something I would buy for myself, but I like to have them. Yeah. especially in the winter time, why not wear some cupcake socks? And it makes me happy when I put them on. So I, I understand that blue has uh, differing feelings about these gloves that she's getting, <laughs> but someday blue, you will appreciate getting some of those main mundane things for yourself for, for from others for yourself. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's talk now about this Gansey holiday travel. I will read the quick summary. Mysterious and frightening carolers. It's an understatement. <laughs> Visit Monmouth manufacturing wearing ancient in obscure-looking costumes and headdresses and chant about the Raven King. Gansey is thrilled by this, as he had previously been thinking about the possibility of leaving Henrietta due to a lack of recent Glendower clues. Ronan shows up in strong arms, the carolers away, obviously still tormented by the recent death of his father, and displaying the recent puckered scars from his night horrors. Gansey, full of new purpose with the chanting of the carolers, declares that they should go out to hunt for Glendower. Okay, these carolers, I hate them. <laughs> I forgot about that because I, I read this like way back when I first read this series and I was rereading re it for the for this episode and I was like, what the fuck is up with these carolers? <laughs> and also, what is up with Gansey's just like, oh, yeah, carolers follow me everywhere every every Christmas. What? And I'm like, what? He spent like, like the last seven. That. I <laughs> he spent the last seven Christmases in seven different places, which again, when you stop to think about how he's like 16, 17 years old at this point. How are his parents just okay with him just traversing the world and going all these places? But yeah, they're just like rich. Like yeah. rich parents don't care that much. I'm just gen I'm totally generalizing. Yeah, like, no. I'm, I'm sure I don't know, but well then what we do get from the Gansey family in the main series is that they actually are like kind of close knit in a lot of ways. Like they have their problems, but it's so it's very odd that this is the path they take. Fine. Whatever. I mean, Helen does note that Gansey like basically turned four and went and got his own studio apartment because he's just been like an old man his entire life. Yeah, so. that's true. It's been it's just it's bizarre to me. Yeah. Uh but yeah, no, the carolers are very scary. They did kind of remind me of in is it now they're all blurring together, blue, 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 or the Raven King where they're in caves water. I think it's the Raven King where they're in caves water and like the women with blue's faces show up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And they're really creepy and like Gansey like orders them away with his power of intention. I kind of got that vibe from them, from the carolers, but these carolers seem harmless, even though they're like creepy. But like, what does it say that Noah, I mean, Noah's a scary cat. We know that. But what does it say that Noah's like, I don't like them. <laughs> and of course, Gansey does like them because he enjoys being freaked out and he's Gansey. <laughs> Yeah, that was one of the things, though, that struck me, especially after we've just spent so much time in the progression of Gansey's anxiety through the four books and his knowledge of his impending death. For Gansey, before that even happens, before his spirit is seen on Mark, St. Mark's Eve and he has this realization that he is going to die. Him saying, I like them, Gansey replied. He liked being freaked out. The prickle of hair on his arms, the curl of anticipation in his gut. He liked that sense that magic was coming for him instead of the other way around. Contrast that with how he feels 
when they finally find Glendower's tomb and he is so freaked out when I know there's one line about like his balls receding at one point when he's really scared, I think at Jesse Ditley's cave. So like, yeah, he's really gone through the ringer as we've talked about at length on the podcast, but to see this like p- just pure full of wonder and awe of magic Gansey at the beginning, it's, it's nice to see this like pure happier version of him also a real bummer before he knows he's going to die as he thinks about how the window needs to be fixed and he thinks that it'll last another year he had time you don't have time you're gonna die it's okay he comes back yeah (laughs) he comes back i do like to this what we talked about in the summary like the idea that he loves henry henrietta and that's something we've we've talked about and how much it felt like home to him immediately. And that's how he felt when he met each of them. And I like um, seeing that here and how he's very hesitant to want to leave Henrietta, but like, he knows he'll have to move on if they don't have Glendower clues there. I also just like to seeing to my first point too, like this is the Gansey that like captured everyone's attention. Like the Gansey who came to Henrietta guns blazing, ready to find Glendower and, becomes friends with Ronan, becomes friends with Adam, who we don't even see in this chapter, becomes friends with Noah. It's just, this is, this is just happy Gansey. And that's who they all f- fell in love with. And they fought so hard to, to keep. And speaking of Noah, it's weird to be back in a POV where they don't know that he's dead. I was just thinking about that too. I was like, wait, 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 wait a minute. Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I guess like they, they don't know that. I also, I think the weirdest thing about, I mean, and there's many weird things about Gansey on his story, but the fact that he lives in like a, an old manufacturing <laughs> building, like that's the weirdest part. It's like weird. his parents just are like, yeah, here's the building. You can live here and go to school. Like that's okay. All right. Whatever. I- I also still will never get over his bed just being in the middle of the space. It's like a really weird, really Gansy weird flex is- for Gansy. Like, put up a partition in like a corner or something. Gansy is all about the hashtag aesthetic. Like, he needs he needs it to be just so because it it fits his his entire thing. Oh, it's so funny. But yeah, no, like they're like what a life these boys are living. It's so bizarre. I do like though that like Noah uh, pops up out of nowhere and he kind of startles Gansy and he's like, oh. God. Like, that's a very Noah-like thing to do. Now we know why he does that. And he always says, I was always here. Ooh. Of course yeah. he was always here because he's been dead for seven years. And Gansy's just like, huh, moving on. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Great. And this is interesting, too, though. One of the things we talked about in our final episode of The Raven King is the idea of Noah as a ghost and how their brains don't remember him at the end and how ghosts in the Raven cycle really serve as a reflection of the character's inner thoughts. And when you think about it that way, Noah saying that he's kind of frightened by them is probably realistically Gansey's internal fears, which we see come out more as the story comes on. His fears about what it'll mean when the Glendower quest is over, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Noah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Any other Gansey Christmas thoughts, Martha? No, I don't think so. I think it's, Again, I do think it's interesting how a lot of these stories, I mean, like, I know it's the point that they take place around Christmas, but it's interesting to see that as a significant time as opposed to, I guess, like other types that we've seen in the book. So I don't know. Winter's coming, I guess. (laughs) It, It is. It is for our characters and where they are in the current timeline. 
we're all in the thick of it right now. It's all very timely. I just wanted to mention a really quick Ronan showing up at the end of, of this one and how, how extra Ronan he is. Like he is an even harder version of himself than we see in uh, the Raven boys. And he's like, obviously he's closer in, in time to when his father died. So he's, he hasn't had that few extra months to deal more or suppress more of it. So he's just, he's Ronan turned up to 11 and uh, the, I love this line that Gansey thinks Christmas was a dangerous time to be a broken thing. The weight of, of tradition and history could too easily sink a lethargic swimmer. Ugh. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Well, then doesn't Declan too think in this short story about how he would like Christmas if blah, blah, blah. Doesn't he say something like that? Or did I make that? Oh, yeah. He would like Christmas if it, if like it didn't come with all the extra dreaming and stuff. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. So it does indicate that like Christmas at the lunch house seems like it was a nice time. So that's a hard time of year for anyone who's experienced loss. But yeah, poor Ronan. It gets a little better, bud. <laughs> all right. Mm-hmm. Speaking of it getting better. Yeah, so fun stuff to talk about in Opal. Tasia, would you like to read our summary? Set the summer after graduation, this novella is told solely from the perspective of Opal, Ronan's dream psychopomp we meet in the main series. She chronicles Ronan and Adam's life at the barns. Opal has a persistent fear of dream things since the traumatic events of the series and avoids the long barn where Ronan works on, on new dream things, including his new dream forest to replace Cave's water. Opal's life is governed by rules designed to protect against outsiders discovering her and she struggles against the confines of these rules. Bored by life at the barns, Opal takes to sneaking around the outside world where she observes non-dreamers and is saddened by the death of one of them. Once when Ronan and Adam are out, an unknown woman arrives at the barns and pokes around, eventually spotting Opal. Opal does not tell Ronan and Adam about it. Ronan starts to experience dark liquids similar to what happened when the demon was making him and the Raven King coming out of his body. It turns out Ronan hasn't been dreaming, filled with concerns that the new cave's water won't be perfect. Opal reveals that the only way to make this stop happening is for him to resume dreaming. So, first of all, I love Opal's perspective. I think she's I too. hilarious. I think <laughs> just her, it's it's hard without like reading quotes from her, but like she just doesn't have, she has an interesting way of speaking because it's uh, dream, the dream language, as we know from the series, is kind of her, her first language and she can speak English and Latin too, but she I think English is probably the language she's least comfortable with or least familiar with. So her thought process is very funny to me. Before we get started, though, let's let's talk about this, though, because Martha said this to us before we started recording, that you maybe don't love Opal. No, I think she's annoying. Okay, tell us some more. Okay, so I get her purpose as a character in the story. That makes sense to me. But I think... Maybe just this time around, like I'm I'm wondering if the first time I read it, I had a different reaction. But I, I think this time around, I'm like, you're just dumb. Like <laughs> you're just a, a dumb little character who like I, okay, I feel like maybe I'm being a little bit mean, but I, I don't know. Like I, I don't know if I found her to add anything. I thought a lot of it was pretty sad. Um, especially like the cloud lady who dies. Uh, yeah. I presume she dies. Um I don't know. I just thought like that was really sad, but I, I just don't know if I get anything from Opal. Like I, I get that. Okay. We show what Ronan can do. I get that part, but 
Yeah. Like that's all. That that's all she is for me. Yeah. Well, she's definitely not a fully formed person in the same ways that Matthew has a lot of, I guess I don't want to say deficiencies, but like he as he, we know, he was dreamt by a four-year-old Ronin. And so he doesn't have a lot of the same thought processes. Yeah, he's not as complex. And I feel like we mm-hmm. get that from Opal too. We don't know how long she and existed in Ronin's dreams. Adam, I think she's been there since he was he was little because he remembers Opal being bigger than him. And then he remembers that at some point that changed and he became bigger than Opal. I think ever since he's he's been aware of his own dreaming, she's been there. Yeah. And Adam so, talks to you in the series about how they were like very familiar and close with each other. You mm-hmm. can tell that they had like a really strong bond. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just, you know, in for purposes of this novella, clearly like Maggie wanted to give like a slightly different POV and also hold thing play things closer to the chest in terms of future plot points and whatnot because if we were in Ronan or Adam's POV it'd be harder to hold off on some of the big plot points we get in called on the hawk like right like we wouldn't know where Adam's going to college um I also think it's really interesting just just to be in in a POV that's as kind of distinct and odd as hers just because she's not really like in some ways she is as old as Ronan because she has grown up with him. So yeah. she's got like maturity in some way, but she's also a child-ish and she's also not a human. And that is very clear in the way that yeah. she thinks about eating things and the way that she translates things in an odd way. And so I find her her POV just really interesting. Yeah, I I agree. I think I like her a lot too. I think she's a very interesting narrator because she does not have quite the same complexity. And it's interesting to see the things that she picks up on. Maybe that's the issue that I have. Like maybe it's just too simple for me. And it was like, it's sort of a departure from how the rest of the books are written. So yeah, yeah, I I could see that, but... Like Opal's not going to have a huge character arc or anything like that. Like she's, she's kind of stagnant, right? She, she, we don't know with Matthew, like what, to what ability can he continue to grow and, you know, experience growth beyond the capacities that Ronan gave him. And so, yeah, she's, she's finite. She's stagnant. And I guess we even Adam mentions that because he's like, you know, I thought you might get bigger, but this is just pretty much who you are. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do feel that that's a good point, though, because, I, well, I think what this story does really well is the Adam and Ronan stuff. So mm-hmm. I like the story for that reason, but I just don't think like I would rather have it like as I don't know. I almost want it as like Adam's journal entry to himself or something like yeah. made out with Ronan today. <laughs> like, I wonder, I wonder, yeah. Well, I always want more of just Adam and Ronan. Like that goes right. without saying for sure. What I do love though, and we talked a lot about this in our main episodes, is that Ronan's dream things love what Ronan loves. So my favorite part of this novella is Opal's feelings towards Adam. I adore their relationship. It makes my heart swell. Like this she says, very this, sweet. Oh my god, she says this at one point. 
And this like breaks my heart. I think I had in my favorite quote. So I'm just going to read it now. It's about Adam. Opal had felt a rush of love for him. She loved him the best when he was very sad or very serious or very happy. Something about his voice breaking filled her with feeling. And something about the vacancy of his expression when he was thinking hard felt like she was looking at a dream with nothing bad in it. And something about when Ronan made him laugh so hard that he couldn't stop made her love him so hard that she felt sad because one day he would get old and die because that was what things with animalness did. So, yes, we don't have Adam or Ronan's specific perspective on each other, but Opal is a stand-in for Ronan in a lot of ways because as his dream thing, she loves what he loves. And I feel like these are just Ronan's feelings about Adam. Well, and that goes through Opal. Yeah, like right in the beginning, Opal, she thinks about how she wants to watch Adam sleep. And I think that's just another one of those like dreamers or dream dreamt things want what their dreamers want, you know, and she just wants to watch Adam all the time, be around Adam all the time. That's mm-hmm. so creepy. I love it. I know. <laughs> she's so she's such a weirdo. Yeah. She's so weird. Yeah. I, I, I like when she, she likes to spy on them and then sometimes she doesn't want them to know she's there. And sometimes she does. And she is very childlike in that way too. But I, that makes the moments when she realizes that it's something like really, private that she's on it to intrude upon that's what makes it i think even more special i think totally i also like to and then this this we can dovetail into kind of one of the plots of this story which is the idea of adam getting ready to leave for school and i love that you know adam doesn't live at the barn so much to opal's disappointment but he was always kind to her and sometimes would show her how things worked and also <laughs> she would like to sit in a dark room and watch him sleep so she she likes him but then she starts having a lot of the feelings that we know without even having ronan's pov we don't even need this chapter to know that obviously ronan's going to be upset that adam's going to leave and go to school but that's one of the the plot points here, right? Is we get this conversation with Ronan and Adam about uh, Adam's choice of where he's going to go to school. And it seems so he's not gotten into his first choice. And he is upset about that. So we know from Call on the Hearth that he goes to Harvard. But he, where, where's, this is the big question. Where was your number one choice, Adam Parrish, if not Harvard? I, I like this. Serious. Yeah, I like that you included this question because I do have... I do have thoughts on this. Well, and I don't think any of them are right. So I'm just going to toss out some guesses. <laughs> sure. But my initial thought would be like maybe UVA, yeah, like University of Virginia, because that way he could stay close to Ronan. But it doesn't make sense if he got into Harvard and he didn't get into UVA. Like that doesn't make sense to me. My other option was like, maybe he'll go to Brown and like be a hippie and like, <laughs> you know, live that like Rhode Island life. Those are my two guesses, but I yeah. don't think they're, they're not based on anything. Tasia, what do you think? Yeah. Well, one of mine originally was Georgetown just for similar reasons, because he'd be closer to Ronan than going all the way to Boston or to Cambridge. But again, it's like if if you're not getting into Georgetown, but you're getting into Harvard, Harvard has a much harder like, yeah. yeah. Um, Also, I would guess Yale or Princeton would be my next two guesses. Uh, Princeton, because it's a higher ranked school than Harvard. And Yale, just because uh, like Harvard and Yale kind of have like that thing, right? Like yeah. a bit of a rivalry. And I think Yale is also closer than Harvard is. My thought is Yale too. And my thought on that comes from 
I think I feel like I heard somewhere too that Yale is a little harder to get into heart than Harvard these days. Also, there's that conversation in the Raven King. I don't actually think Adam is present for, but when they're talking about where like Gansey's going to go to school, I think it's when he has that brunch that Henry and Blue come to. His parents like make disparaging comments about Harvard being like, oh, like Harvard. No, like you're going to go to Yale. Yale, surely. Yes. (laughs) So like Rory Gilmore. (laughs) (laughs) Right. No, this is exactly it. Right. Okay. Maybe that is where, wait, for 20 years, if I always thought it's harder to get into Yale than Harvard. Wait, no, but she goes to Yale. She doesn't get into Harvard. It's the opposite. Yeah. Harvard okay. actually has a harder um, or a higher like a acceptance rate. Yeah. yeah. Or like a lower acceptance rate, I guess. Like it's where, like 0.05 or something. Can you remind me where Gansey was going to go to school after his like year away? Or do we not know that? We don't know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe Adam wanted to go to the same school as Gansey, but. And if he thought Gansey was going to go to Yale because his parents didn't like Harvard, then that would have made sense. One of the things too, and Cajun, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I don't know why, but we were like Googling Harvard, like acceptance rates and like also Harvard and a lot of like the big schools have done this now too, but Harvard, if you make, if your family makes less than like a hundred thousand dollars, it costs you zero dollars to go to Harvard. So for a student like Adam, I think they kind of prioritize more than a lot of other schools, diversifying their student body and giving the opportunity to go to Harvard, not just to rich, wealthy families. They really do value having students like Adam come to the school. So it makes sense that he ends up there. But yeah, that what a flex from Adam Parrish. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Harvard so- is my safety school. <laughs> yeah. Like, good for you, dude. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I had a friend that went to Penn, which is another Ivy League. And you know what? She kind of ended up a little hoity toity. So my only wish for Adam is that he sticks to his roots and like yeah. not he doesn't become super influenced by, you know, the high rich role in life that Harvard students have. Because, you know, I feel like they do, but I, I, I'm pretty sure my friend doesn't listen to this anymore because we're not really friends. So it <laughs> I don't know. That That's my only concern. Like, okay, like just stick to your roots. Don't yeah. become swept up into this new life. But it's hard, you know, it's like college. Like I, as much as I don't want them to break up, it's, you know, the odds are against them. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting too. So we get this quote from Adam. I don't want to go, but I do. Does that make sense? He asked her. It did, especially if she thought about how some of her dream things, happy sadness might have rubbed off on him because they were sitting so close. It's just that it's finally starting, you know, life. And I'm guilty of this too. You know, like one of the things we've talked about going through this series is Adam's journey with himself and this idea that he has to be the absolute best. When the reality is there are plenty of other options between where he started and Harvard, right? For him to be a successful person and get out of Henrietta. But I think for him, the, the realization of, of, of his dreams and his idea of getting out has to be the best of the best. And he can't shake that even despite all of his growth going forward. And I'm, that's something I'm guilty of too. You know, when I went to law school, I got a significant scholarship to go to what is the lowest ranked law school here in town. But for me personally at the time, I was like, I've worked too hard to go to this school. I don't want my name affiliated with that school. So I get that impulse from him. But he also 
then has chosen to go to this place that's really far away. And we can go down the East Coast there and find any number of schools that would have been just as good for him in the long term. And he would have had just a successful life. But for him, that is, you know, his life is starting and that's where, it, but what he has worked so hard for. And that's hard to give up, even if it means you're going to be far from the person that you love at the end of the day. So, yeah, I get it. I get it a lot. But then what I do want to talk about too is this growth. I, I see a lot of growth from both of them and the continuation of that growth from the main series here. You know, again, we talked a lot about this in our last episode, but the idea of Adam wanting to leave still, but he's no longer saying he's never coming back. And like, we get a lot of that here and it's really nice. The domesticity between Adam and Ronan in this little novella is just so much. Like we get canonically that they take naps together. Like it's just while Opal spying on them, they take like little daytime naps. It's very, very cute. Um, Yeah. That like very much is. um, I love that. We'll save some of the swoon moments here in a second for for later at the end. But I also love, like, they're basically raising Opal together. Adam's moments where he comes outside, he's like, so can you tell me now where you put the dishes, please? Like, he's, they're just such dads. When Ronan makes that pool and Adam teaches her how to swim and Ronan, like, throws her stuff, I'm like, are you kidding me? You are raising a child. You're 18. (laughs) Raising a child. It's too much for me to handle. But then um, they both have moments that I really like where, like, in the previous books, we would have seen them just, like, continue to establish, like, to continue with bad behavior. When Adam talks about not getting in to his first choice school he says something like, look, I don't expect you to care about this. Right after saying this, Adam said in a different voice, I'm being a shithead. So it's like Adam has learned to walk back some of those impulses. The same type of thing comes up at the end where Ronan is freaking out kind of about the night wash. And he says to him, you know, you already knew that part of me got fucked a long time ago, Parish, and it's not changing anytime soon. Adam crossed his arms. He was getting very upset, and Opal's heart was bursting with love for him. And when she held on to him, he didn't push her away. Well, that's not okay with me. So we know that, like, Adam used to just roll his eyes at Ronan being an asshole. And now he's like, no, I'm going to push back on you about, about this because you're just, this is what you do, is you just push people away when you get upset, and I'm going to stay here and fight. So I love their push and pull. They're both growing. It's great. Was especially in the context for that particular little argument um, of Ronan being like, because because Adam is talking about how Ronan just doesn't care about his life. He doesn't care if he lives or he dies. And Ronan's like, oh, you knew that part got fucked a long time ago. And Adam used to very much be in the camp of like, let Ronan self-destruct because he needs that to, you know, he hit, he needs to hit that rock bottom. But now he's like, nope, this isn't cool anymore. Ugh, sad. Um, I have a question for you yeah. two. Um, kind of not really. Well, it, yeah, sure, it's related. What are you most looking forward to going forward with these next two books of Call Down the Hawk? And maybe that's a little too called down the hockey, but or like maybe a better question is, you know, what did you really appreciate from the last four books and these short stories that you hope carries forward into these next few books? That's a good question. Hmm. I go for it. Oh no, I was just gonna say I, I am really looking forward to some of the 
the loose threads that were left kind of dangling in the original series to play out, which I hope they do. Um, finding a way to get Matthew to and other dream things to live, even if their dreamers die. Um, the the Camaro wheel that was left as, as a big dangling thread. Um, those things and also just the continuing and I go, go I go back to this tweet a thousand times just to like comfort myself but way back when um, somebody asked her if she was going to break Ronan and Adam up in the Dreamer trilogy and she said no I you know because that that relationship drama doesn't interest me and she said I hope I have better ways to you know insert drama and conflict into my stories without undoing the work of four books. So I think about that a lot. Um, just how they're going to move forward together is just, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that works out. I'm really looking forward to, and this like comes back to, I have some moments we get here in Opal into Ronan's continued journey. I mean, we talked in the main series about how Ronan's arc really, by the time the dream thieves ends, he's like accepted who he is is great. I I am worried about Ronan Lynch from a mental health perspective based on Colin the Hawk and this story. I don't I don't have the the language or the expertise to in any way arm even engage in any sort of armchair psychosis as to a diagnosis as to what's going on with Ronan, but you know, I am really worried about him. So I'm interested to see because I think this is something Maggie does really well is working through these types of journeys with characters and i don't know what it's stemming from at this point is it you know we get this in opal he's very (laughs) this breaks my heart he's very sad twice ronan got a phone call from his gansey friend and both times he did not say anything to the phone just listened to the ebullient patter on the other end and made grunting sounds in response both time both times after this ronan went and lay down once in his own room and once in aurora's room the first time he was very quiet for a long time and the second time he held his parents photograph and cried a little without making any sound that so was like good. oh my god that was a good line. so like he is really upset that gansey is gone adam is leaving him and we see that and call down the hawk too and we'll talk about it more at length when we get there but he's having a hard time with the fact that he's stagnant and everyone's leaving him. It's not so much that he's stagnant. It's that he, we learn, you know, the Barnes is really kind of holding him hostage. This place that he loves and he's given so much to. He maybe wants more than that now and he's, he can't. And so I'm really interested to see how that all plays out because we've talked a lot about how much we love Ronan on this podcast and I love them all. But as much as I'm interested in Declan and Matthew and that being a story about the Lynch brothers, I'm really interested to see where his continued growth goes because that part like makes me sad and the part where he like stands and like stares into his parents room and adam comes and holds his hand like makes me really sad too it's just what's going on with ronan i don't know if anyone else has thoughts about shot every time (laughs) corinne starts like you could make a drinking game of every time i like lose my mind and almost start to cry on this podcast y'all be drunk i'm not paying a bar bill (laughs) when i'm looking to get blasted i'll just like listen to past episodes and take a shot but (laughs) i think so i think that's very intentional here i mean opal more so than the other stories we've talked about is very clearly being it was published for a reason to bridge the gap between the main series and where the dreamer trilogy was going i think it's all very intentional and it's all going to come back up and that for me is the big thing. I guess then let's also talk Speaking, about the yeah. big loose ends here. Who who this lady who rolls up to the barns? It, well, this was a question that I DM'd you guys, I think like yesterday, like 
there aren't a lot of loose loose threads here, and I'm curious to see if they come back. I I don't have any theories. I'm just like, who dis? So yeah. I would love to hear any. I think the first time I read this, my theory was that um, she was like a sibling of Niles or something. Now that is not what I'm thinking this time around. I have a weird suspicion that I mean, because obviously she's she's described in a way where she she looks like a lynch, right? She's got the dark hair, the pale skin, the really bright, alarming blue eyes. She looks at a photo of Niall and Aurora and she says, damn you. And I think, I suspect that she might be another child of Niall's, but not of Niall and Aurora, but of Niall and Morakora, like Declan is. So in this theory that I just stumbled upon last night, that I've decided is what I think, she, uh, like not, uh, Declan and this woman were like parent trapped. So Morakora took one, Niall took the other. And I don't know. That's that's a really interesting theory. Obviously she has like a problem with Niall. So Opal talks a lot about the difference between like animalness and dream stuff in people. Adam is all animalness. Ronan has dream stuff in him. The cloud lady is animalness like Adam. And the this lady who shows up also has dream stuff in her, but she says it's not a lot. What does that mean? What is like the dilution of dream stuff in like, if like down the family tree of like, if a dreamer has a a kid with a non-dreamer has a work, if a dreamer has a kid with a dream, is that why Ronan's dream stuff to Opal is like even more? I don't know. (laughs) What is the dreamer? Like, I I just, I think she must be a dreamer, like for sure. Right. Because if she has... She's got dream stuff in animalness, just like Ronan does. She's got to be a dreamer, right? Maybe she's not. I mean, I think Ronan just canonically would have more dream stuff in him because A, he's the son of a of an actual dream, but also B, because he's a Grey Warren. So he's a dreamer on another level. He is not the same as all these other dreamers. She might just yeah. be a regular dreamer, and that's why the dream stuff in her is uh, at a lower dose because it would be in comparison to Ronan. Yeah, it's really, there's so many unknowns about the dreamers and we'll talk about them at length when we go into Call Down the Hawk, but the, the science and magic of it is, I just don't understand what's happening. And we'll talk about the Nightwash here in a second, but I think in terms of another like loose thread I'm interested in going forward is the idea that like Adam, we've confirmed during this, is still psychic or is a psychic. You know, before we just, you know, had this bargain with Caveswater where he was Caveswater's hands and eyes and he thought that that was just going to be completely gone after the sacrifice of Caves Water, but he is is a psychic, and we get that re- reference in Calvin Hawk too, where Ron's just like my boyfriend's a psychic, it's like my, my baby's a psychic. A psychic. <laughs> but I'm interested to see like what role that plays uh, for him and his magic going forward in the Dreamer trilogy, because I have to think he has some role with like endgame there he's not just going to be like a, a passive like my boyfriend's in trouble like oh no like he, that's he, not his style he, he is very powerful in his own way he's got to like have some tie in there when we play a quick game where we cast ourselves in the raven cycle <laughs> because i want to see who you like guys as think existing you characters yeah so like okay pretend, yeah who do you want to be here or like who do you think you are who do you relate most to that was a lot of questions well, I had my uh, me- my mental ahead. breakdown a few weeks ago where I realized I am blue, and that's probably why I get annoyed with her half the time. <laughs> so that's that. I do see it might be Mora. Like I feel like I 
Well, that, I maybe Tasia's more Mora. I don't know. Tasia, you are Mora. I like yeah. that. <laughs> You're pretty Mora. Yeah. So who does that? I guess I'm Adam or Gansey, maybe. Let's see, Martha. Hmm. You say Oval I'd see. I'd see you maybe. more as a Gansey than yeah. I'd see you more Adam. as a Gansey. Maybe like but a. I mean, Persephone. Persephone. She's Persephone. so. She's so enigmatic. Yeah. Um, she's so ethereal. Maybe. Oh, you know what? I'm Declan. That's who I am. <laughs> you, I'm the you business. Do, you have little a business kid. Yeah, I'm the business, business kid who takes business care of baby. their family. I actually oh do see that a lot because you have such I a totally good... see that. A, uh, you're such a good person. You have such a, a kind uh, inner self to you, but you know how to like lay down the law. Well, it's funny also. because my mom was having like she's she was being dramatic and she's like why didn't you like check on me like this week i was like the fuck? I'm, I'm your kid you're supposed <laughs> to check on me so <laughs> that's <laughs> maybe fun. i'm not the best Declan, but maybe i'm getting there <laughs> that's fine i don't actually i never thought of myself as a mora but i guess i could see it but for me personally i think i've thought this through a lot if you can't tell um i i see myself as like a ronin on the outside but an adam on the inside it's like I present, accurate. I try to present to the world a Ronin, but really I'm an Adam. I see that. I see that a lot. Yeah, I see that too. I think you're a combination of a couple of people. So yeah. I like to think I bring Kala energy sometimes into certain situations. We should all bring Kala energy into, into situations, purple lipstick and all. Order pizza for us, Richie Rich, with extra cheese. <laughs> That's so favorite lines. <laughs> I like that question. That was a good one. I blue. I still love you, but even though sometimes you annoy me because you're me, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I don't know if I see you as blue, Corinne. Well, I had this like meant this realization. I don't think I'm a, like blue in a lot of ways, but her stuff, like some of her think way of thinking about things, is me. Like in her kind of stubbornness and binary way of thinking about things, and uh, okay, is I can see I, that, I, that I is like, me. I don't I know. Don't really like see you like leaving the world to go travel. No, no. Like, oh my god. I'm, I don't like to commune with nature. (laughs) (laughs) That that part of me is not. So I guess I'm like more of like an internal like blue. I guess some of the negative things about blue I see within myself. I don't know who I'd be just like in terms of a positive. Sorry, I choked. (laughs) Like, I don't know like how I present generally. I feel like Adam. I have like a lot of Adam, I think. You like an Adam in blue. Yeah. 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 That makes sense to me. Okay, um, thanks for indulging me on that. No, I like <laughs> that, that question. Really that was fun. a good one. No, that was a good. I was like, wait, before we talk about this very, very scary thing, which is the night wash that happens at the end here. Dun, dun, dun. What the heck is going on with the night wash? Okay, I have a lot of thoughts, questions. Why is it so similar? Why is it the same thing that was happening to them when the demon was there? The same sort of unmaking why is this happening now and it never happened before did the demon awaken something was was someone controlling the demon we thought we knew where the demon came from but do we is this something else is someone but then we know that that's not the case because then called on the hawk like this happens to dreamers everywhere i said was a lot of questions about it i think none of the them are demon- fully third none of them are fully formed word yeah, i think i think the demon was just in his trying to destroy ronin we just happened to be, I mean, that's just like a symptom of a dreamer being destroyed, I think. 
like yeah. that general unmaking. So whether it was the demon or whether it is not dreaming, that same thing is going to happen to him. So I don't think necessarily that the demon has anything to do with what's currently mm-hmm. going on. And and maybe it hasn't happened because uh, he has been pretty steadily dreaming. Like he in Opal, he goes through what, like three months, the entire summer of not dreaming. And that's, and then at the end of that, he starts getting the night wash. So I don't think he's ever in the series that we've ever seen gone that long without dreaming, at least accidentally. So, I, I mean, and, and as far as when he was a child and he would go months and months without dreaming and obviously that never happened to him, maybe it was just the older you get, the more you need to dream in order to function and survive. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't really have any clear thoughts on it. This not reading Opal again after reading Call on the Hawk doesn't give me any more insight as to like what is happening. Not yeah. at all because it's weird in Call Down the Hawk, he will go like three days without dreaming and start having the night. Yeah, wash. it's escalating. So, Why? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's what makes me think like something we'll talk about uh Bride and all of that. The lace. Maybe yeah, like lace. something is happening. Mm-hmm. I don't know what. It's very ominous though. That scene like really hurts my heart, though. Sorry, Martha, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, I feel like I know we're going to find out, but I could either see it happening like right away or she's going to like wait a little bit. I don't know. Like, that's a big question I have going into these next Called on the Hawk books. So I don't know, Maggie, get your act together. (laughs) Well, there's an interesting quote in Opal where um, Opal is thinking dream time didn't work the same way as animal time she had discovered. And so unlike Animal Time with its absolute rules and soldier-like march forward, Dream Time could suddenly run out because it seemed like it ought. So that's maybe what's happening in Call Down the Hawk is that because Dream Time is, uh, you know, wonky, timey-wimey shit, it's it's like fast-forwarding that that um, symptom of not dreaming. That's interesting. I do think just in a general sense that one of the big themes going forward in the dreamer trilogy is going to be like some sort of reckoning with the dreamer's ability and uh, maybe some sort of sacrifice of it or some loss of it in some way. Like I just don't, I I have a hard time seeing how it can persist, how Ronan can persist dreaming when it's the source of so many problems and have him continue to be a dreamer after that trilogy. It's, I don't know, but it's, on so many levels, it's a problem, right? It got his father killed and is putting his family in danger. So that's a very like surface level concern. And now it's like actually physically unmaking him. And so there's just, to me, nothing good about it anymore. So let's cut that out. And that would get rid of Ronan's connection then in that way to the Barnes. Obviously he's going to have a familial connection to it, but you know, I think he's got to, I don't want to quote Kyle Ren, but I guess I'm going to like the kill the past, like leave the past behind, kill it if you have to or whatever. Like, is that what we're, we're going to get here? I don't know. Just one thing, which is another, I mean, I guess it's not a call back to call down the hawk because called on the hawk came after, but, um, when he thinks about how um, like dreamers are really good at dying and he thinks that here too. Um, he says, sometimes I don't even know if I'm a real thing. Why isn't there anyone else like me? Your dad, Kavinsky. I meant living people. Unless the takeaway is that we're all just really good at being dead. 
And that is just kind of a theme in Call Down the Hawk of of all these dreamers literally just being hunted down. Yeah. God, it's scary. That's why I don't feel like it's going to be a happy ending in terms of like, we're all just going to like be able to dream what we want and without ramification. I think it's going to be the opposite. But I don't know. It's fun to put theories on the record here. So then like a year and a half from now or two years, whatever, when we get the last <laughs> dreamer book or even when we, Mr. Impossible comes out in a few months. Uh, we'll There's like published evidence of our terrible theories. We'll be like, nope, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was, I was kind of looking up. I was like, oh man, when's the next one coming? I was like, shit, it's so soon. Like, thank God. Yeah. It's like May 6th, right? Yeah. yeah. May f- something. Yeah. It's or very soon. First, I don't know. Oh, I was like sense. looking. I was like, "Ooh, I kind of want this like signed copy from one more page book." So I might place an order later today. But <laughs> yeah, there's so many books, like ongoing series that we have coming out this year. Where why do books come out on Tuesday? I have to say, like, it's so Those dumb. Come out on Tuesday, or they used to. Like, I remember when I was gonna buy C. Like, I used to buy CDs. Yeah. They would come out on Tuesday. And movies would come on Friday. So yeah, it's really silly. Make it Friday, please, because out of all of the books, the one that I'm definitely going to need immediately is this one. I've already said what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to get a physical copy for sure. But I because I will need answers immediately. I will also get a Kindle copy, which those come in at like eleven Central Time where I live, so midnight. Eastern. And so at like 11.05, like I will be up word searching just Adam to make sure he's okay. So like, it's fine. Then like, maybe I'll be able to go to sleep. I should just take the day off work. It's it's fine. Yeah, I'm gonna have to probably try to... It reminds me of when I used to go to the midnight releases for Twilight and I would lie to my parents because they're like, oh, like, do you have any tests the next day? I'm like, no, 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 we're good. And I would always have a math test. I'd always, always have a math test <laughs> the next day. And like, I would do so badly because I was so tired. Like, good, Martha. Good. Oh my God. That's so Risking funny. it all for Twilight. Oh my God. Can <laughs> you guys please do that? Because I will come on every single episode. I've um, actually thought about it a lot. I've, I, I think it would be kind of fun. I would reread Midnight Sun for y'all. Oh I would do that. God. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about you it. You could just come on and we could interview you about Midnight Sun. So yeah, yeah. I, you don't it. even need to read it. Like, I'll just take over the podcast for the week. <laughs> like, I think it would be really interesting to talk about it. I do like the, the movies. We watched them during quarantine together. It was, it was a good time. We'll see. No, yeah, we did do that. Yeah. Uh, let's. Uh, talks and superlatives here. Most of my stuff is from Opal, but it's fine. Favorite quote, Martha? Do you have a favorite quote? I do. Have a favorite oh, yours quote. is not from Opal. It's not from Opal. It is from. It was from the the minor Ravens boy holiday travel. That was a long title. Um, don't come up, Lynch. We're going out to do what? What do we ever do? Gansey replied, "To find a king." I just love so that like Gansey. sense of adventure. Stan Brand Gansey. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great. Tasha, I have a couple. Opal, could you get them for her uh, for him? Opal could not because it was too boring to go back to the house when they were out here being exciting in the dark. And then I have Ronan pressed his face against Adam's neck, and Adam quietly put his head on top of Ronan's head, and they did not move for a long time. Something about this made Opal burn so furiously that she could not stand to look a second longer. She left them there with clatter so that they would know she had been watching. I also have a funny Opal quote and then a more serious one. I like this because it's just kind of emblematic of how weird Opal is in the best way. Opal was playing a game called Hide Her Hooves, and she was winning it by standing in an empty flower crack that was positioned by the kitchen doorway. 
Like she thinks she's being slick standing in a pot. <laughs> I love like her rumination on her hooves. She's like, the hooves are great. Everyone should have hooves. Like <laughs> these feet things are terrible. They like, can't walk around. And then next one, you'll get into one of the others. Ronan told Adam eventually, you're not going to have to make another list. It won't be what you imagined, but it'll be just as good. Remind me of that later. Count on it. And then later, Ronan or Adam says that back to Ronan and Ronan's like, I liked better when I said it. Favorite characters and arc doesn't apply here, but favorite characters. Mine, I like Opal. And if I had to pick someone else, I'd pick Adam because I really like him being a dad, essentially, in Opal. I like their relationship. Martha? Martha? I actually put, well, I felt limited, but at least we did get Gansey <laughs> in one of the stories. So I actually think he's my favorite. And I was thinking about that, like, oh, like, has it changed? Like, what's you know, since the first time I read this series and like to now, actually, I, I think my favorite character is not, is in Call Down the Hawk. I think it's actually Jordan and Hennessy. Okay. Love but Jordan. for now, I will say Gansey. Okay. Cool. Tasia? Uh, you know, Ronan. <laughs> I mean, I, also should, Sam I, I just didn't want to say Declan because it's his story is too sad and it just hurts me too much. So, yeah, it's, no, that's fair. I picked Ronan actually because I know there isn't really an arc here, but I did pick Ronan because of arc. Um, because I think he does have a little bit of one in Opal or actually from the beginning because in the Raven Boys Travel, he is old, old Ronan. And then in Opal, he's like domesticated boyfriend Ronan. Which is a much farmer Ronan. Yeah. yeah. All right. We love, love to see it. Favorite soon moment, Martha. You have one. You know, I don't because I I just think mine would have been the one that you two picked. So, yeah. <laughs> well, should we just read that one? I have the whole quote. Yeah. Here just yeah, yeah. You have it on your notes, so you you take it away. Right, one moment, please. Sometimes they would stop talking and instead begin kissing, and Opal would eavesdrop on this as well. Her capacity for voyeurism was boundless and incorrigible. They were always coming together in surprising moments, going from easygoing to urgent in the space of a few breaths. She watched them kiss messily in the car in the driveway, and she watched them tangle around each other in the laundry room, and she watched Adam unbuckle Ronan's belt and slide his hand against skin. Ah! yeah it's it's real uh, some yeah it's <laughs> i think scandalous at, i feel at, scandalized <laughs> at one point i during the course of reading these books i was like oh let me like look at something in opal and i like opened it up and i was just at that passage in the ebook right <laughs> so i'm like cool Karen, just keep being a pervert with these like 18 year olds <laughs> and be like oh what are they up to um but it's it's really nice and it makes sense right like we talked about this last week how like kind of pure it is that like the night after their first kiss adam wakes up in declan's bed like so they like made out on the couch a bit and then went their several ways we've escalated to this point it makes sense that there would be a natural progression of their physical relationship. And I like that for them. <laughs> for me. As a fan of <laughs> <laughs> ah, so yes, the belt buckle. We literally, <laughs> Tasia just wrote, I mean, belt buckle in our notes. And I wrote the belt more buckle. more needs to be said. 
I have a couple other moments though that I would like to highlight. When Adam leaves the house and he's upset about the college situation, he leaves without his shoes and Ronan's like, where are your shoes? And he's like, they're in the house. He asks Opal to go get them. And she's like, no, no, I'm staying out here. There's drums going down. Uh, but then mm-hmm. Ronan takes off his shoes so that he can walk barefoot without him as well. I really like that. That's a nice moment. I also like when Opal thinks that they're going to kiss when Ronan is upset outside of his parents' bedroom and said, Adam just takes his hand. That's like a different kind of swoon. It's really nice. And then in a more like, it is romantic swoon, but also kind of just familial swoon. Just everything with Adam and Opal in this book, like him stepping in to this almost parent-like role with his boyfriend's like dream child just really shows a level of intensity to the relationship that like, it's astounding for again, 18 year olds, but it really just yeah. goes to the depth of their relationship. It went zero to a hundred, like real quick, but I love it. Oh, God, it's great. So any last minute thoughts, Martha, any like, since this is your, your one time here, as we talk about the Raven cycle, any last minute like thoughts on the series or anything, anything you're looking forward to going forward in calls on the Hawk, et cetera. Yes. that was very aggressive i'm sorry um one thing that really freaks me out and i'm looking forward to maybe your discussion in call down the hawk is the damn neck tattoos and i just get the weirdest vision when she starts pressing on the tattoos and like blood starts coming out of them it freaks me out i don't like the description um that's all i really have but yeah that's (laughs) no i i think these books are really good and uh it's actually like some of these the stickers in my shop they're uh a top seller uh besides the history huh one but so i know a lot of people like it and yeah thanks for tasia for making me read them all those years ago now it's like everyone who's on this podcast is like thanking tasia for reading. Well, it's, it's like all it's like a pyramid scheme i think tasia i read them the before you corinne i yeah, think i did. read them yeah. before you because yeah. mm-hmm. I, Tisha was like, you got to read these. And I was like, all right, whatever. And so then I read them. I was like, oh my God. And then everyone started reading them. So Martha was one of the first people I successfully bullied into reading this series. So yeah, it's great. <laughs> I love it. Um, Yeah. So again, Martha's shop is Media Maven Martha on Etsy. Use Actia Age for 15% off. And she does have what you have a Guibus at Rostro uh, and sticker and you have a Tree Latin. And a Tree Sweet Latin sticker which are both great and they're both on my ipad and i love them <laughs> and in addition to history huh we've covered red white and royal blue here and do you have other ones from other books uh, we've we covered? have an akotar a- a- one yeah through my stash the book yes. was better yes uh we have an Addie larue one the invisible life of Addie larue yes. which we've talked about so yeah there's a lot of good bookish stuff and then some yeah. other fun pop culture stuff there and we love it and you guys should love it too well, thank you again so much, Martha, for coming out with us today. Before we wrap up here, I do just want to say what we're going to be covering next week, which is part one of Call Down the Hawk. We're going to be focusing on chapters one through 38. And um, yeah, I guess I'm going to have to rip off the band-aid and read that book now. You Again, I've been avoiding it, but <laughs> it's fine. I think this week spoiled me too, like having very little reading homework to do. And I'm like, ah, I have to read. Off I know, of this next, devastating and like feel feelings and yeah. not great uh before we go though martha where can all of our listeners find you and your various pods etc online so many places uh you can find me on martha and colby grow up you can find me on the four nations report you can find me on twitter at marth underscore vader 
and on Instagram at Real Martha Riley. So wherever you just you just look, and I'll be there. And if I'm I'm maybe I'll start a TikTok. Maybe you can find me on TikTok too. Oh, maybe that'll be a thing that makes me join TikTok versus you two just sending me various TikToks. <laughs> I actually had a really funny idea for one that I was going to make, but I ran out of time before this started. Oh, so gosh, maybe well, I'll make that today. Excellent. And yeah, so uh, your Instagram is where you share a lot of your new sticker and other merch designs. So it's a good place to follow. Tasia, where can everyone find you online? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at RagyCakes. And I'm on Instagram at written underscore reads. You can find the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at actyourage. You can send us an email if you'd like at actyouragepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear any questions, comments, concerns from you. Listener emails are very exciting to us. So please send <laughs> them are. to us. And if you would not mind doing so, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you podcast. It'd be very helpful to us to boost us up in those uh, search results. We would appreciate it. Other than that, friends, again, thank you, Martha, for coming on. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.